Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, I'm Grant Wall. Welcome to the Planet Football Podcast. This week's interview guest is Demarcus Beasley. Quick reminder, if you like the podcast, it would really help us if you go to Apple Podcasts and provide a rating and a review. And we'd appreciate you recommending the podcast to someone you know. Onward! Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Our guest today is Demarcus Beasley. He is the only U.S. man to play in four World Cups. He earned 126 caps in his 16-year national team career. He played in the 2005 UEFA Champions League semifinals with PSV Eindhoven and won 13 trophies in a club career with Chicago Fire, PSV, Manchester City, Glasgow Rangers, Hanover, Puebla, and Houston Dynamo. Now 37, he recently retired from playing soccer. 
Demarcus, happy new year, and thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, happy holidays. I appreciate you having me. It's been a while, Grant. It is. I went back, actually, uh, in preparing for this and read the very first story I ever wrote on you in Sports Illustrated. What uh, year was that? 2000. 2000. Wow. 19, no, 20 years later. Yeah, 20 years later, here we are. Here we are. In Houston, Texas. In Houston, Texas, (laughs) which is kind of crazy. It is kind of crazy. I don't know if we would have predicted this. I don't think so. I doubt it. Lots to talk about, obviously, but I'll start with this. Your decision to retire, how do you feel about it at this point? Uh, At this point, I feel great. Um, You know, for me, it's still, it's still, still feel like I'm, you know, in a pre, in a off season, you know, that. In about you know a couple of weeks, I'm gonna start preseason. You know, uh, by the same time, I know in my head because I haven't really been in the gym <laughs> as I usually would be <laughs> that uh, I don't have a season to prepare for. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, but no, right now I think it's I'm, I'm okay. I'm not you know missing the game as much as like okay, I want to go back. You know, I feel good, but maybe when you know February, January, February, January, February hits and I see teams starting getting preseason, I see my friends you know putting stuff on there. Their Instagram and Twitter, then I might get the the itchy foot. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Um, what is your family and, and living situation? Will Houston continue to be your home base moving forward? Yeah, Houston will be my home base moving forward. Uh, my daughter lives here now. Um, so yeah, I'm, I fell in love with the city. You know, I've been here six years. Uh, I'm in the burbs. You know, the old the old, the old man with <laughs> with his daughter. You know, so I'm in the burbs. But no, I, I really. Uh, I love the city, the food, the culture, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm here to stay for a while for sure. Nice. Um, I definitely want to get into your thoughts on American soccer and, and look back at your career. But first off, I just kind of wanted to get into what are you planning to do moving forward? Uh, I mean, yeah, obviously I, I want to stay in football. I want to stay in soccer. Um, that was the biggest thing um, for me. Um, just, uh, you know, still being around the game and, you know, that whole that whole that whole stepping stone with you know kind of going from you know being a player going to somewhat the business side of the game is is what I am you know looking forward you know looking forward to doing and you know one of the things is uh, um, being partnered with uh, Matrix Athletic Club um, it's going to be based in South Florida and that's going to be the headquarters and uh, really excited about that so. Could you fill me in on how you got connected to them and what you'll be doing? Yeah, uh, I got connected through um, my uh, well. Now he's in, in Phoenix, uh, the Phoenix Soccer Soccer Club. But when he was in Houston, Steve Fell, mm-hmm. Stephen Fell, and uh, great guy. Um, he's a, he was a trainer for the Houston Dynamo, and obviously then after that he went to go to Phoenix. But you know, one day he called me and said, "Hey, we got this. We got this great concept where." Uh, a great friend of mine that I went to went to college with. Um, he's you know wants to start this new club and you know is focusing more on on the you know the brain the 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 neural you know the neural um, space as far as um, athletes and, and sports and you know and everything. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hmm, you know that's kind of a you know good concept. I kind of want to know more about. And uh, yeah, f- you know for me. You know, being a part of that and knowing how hard and how important it is to be mentally tough in this game. And I'm not talking about, I can only, I'm only speaking about soccer at the moment, but yeah. I mean, every sport you hear every athlete talk about mentally tough, being mentally strong, you know, your mentality is not right. So for me, you know, working hand in hand with them and that being their focus, you know, uh, of what they're all about was, was a no brainer for me. 
So what's it going to involve? You doing? Uh, I'm I'm one of the founders. Mm-hmm. You know, myself, AJ De La Garza, Adam, which he's here today. <laughs> he can talk more about that. But uh, I'm going to you know head the you know soccer department. You know, okay. basically the the philosophy of soccer, uh, what goes into um, you know how to be a, a a better professional. You know, and and obviously putting a very important uh, piece of putting a very important puzzle together with the mental part of mm-hmm. the game not just the physical talents and you know obviously yeah you're going to be in the gym doing that but obviously really really honing honing in on um the brain and how it works and how how it can benefit you in in tough situations so your own experience as a player you were one of the first american players to go straight from high school essentially into the pros mm-hmm. didn't go to college um it's still not that common, yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, when you look back at your experience, one aspect of it is, though, is that that is what happens in soccer countries around the world. Everywhere, everywhere. Like, when you, like, when you look back at it, do you, do you think you made the right call? A million percent, and I'd do it again. I do it again. I don't think my mom and dad will say that. <laughs> you know, cause when I signed when I was six, I was, little, I was you know about the end of my junior year of high school. Huh. And uh, well, sorry, my end of my, my end of my junior year, and I wanted to quit. <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to quit. I wanted to get my GED and go straight, you know, to Chicago or to LA at the time, but go to right. Chicago and play. But you know, my parents said no. You got to, you know, you got to finish high school. So you know, obviously we made. Um, efforts so I could do both at the same time um, but yeah no I would I would do it again in a heartbeat you know and uh, yeah a million percent and will you be I guess in this project that you're working on now I guess will you be working on with kids at that age that you were when you were deciding yeah working with uh, kids at my at a younger age uh, professionals um, uh, college um, yeah, all, all, all age groups, basically okay. all age groups, yes. And how many hours, like, is this going to be close to a full-time job? How, how is that going to work for you? Um, I don't think I'll have to move uh-huh. <laughs> to, to South Florida. But, uh, but yeah, I'm going to be heavily involved. I'm going to, you know, I think it does give me the, the, the freedom to do, you know, other things and have different, um, you know, uh, passions of, you know, with the game, soccer or whatever else I get into. But, uh, but no, this is 100% uh, a priority. And I think, um, you know, myself and Adam, we have, we're already making a good, you know, partnership with how we work and speaking, you know, uh, a lot, how it's going to work when, once it, you know, um, really uh, steamrolls and gets going. But, uh, but yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be there every step of the way. There's no, um, uh, there's no, um, it doesn't have to be to have to live, you know, where the, the headquarters will be, but um, I'll, I'll be around for sure. I mean, just hearing about this project before, it seems very ambitious. It seems like a lot of money is being put into it. <laughs> There's going to be guys from uh, different sports, professionals who've made a big name for themselves. Yeah. Uh, and you're one of the soccer guys. Yeah. Um, and AJ. Yes. AJ Delegars as well. And... It's it's not an obvious choice for like because like a lot of guys in your position who have attained this stature go into coaching, media, maybe like being a sporting director for a team. Um, 
this seems like something you would prefer to do than those things. Yeah, I mean, at this point. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, that's that is one of my another passion of mine of uh, with Matrix as well as you know still being in the business side of football as far as um, you know maybe one day um, you know being an owner. You mm-hmm. know, having ownership, you know, with uh, MLS, USL. I mean, USL is the, the way they're rising up, and you know, in, in in soccer in this country is is pretty remarkable. You know, so you know, being involved with with that, um, basically just putting on my executive hat. You know, because yeah. like it literally, seriously, literally, it intrigues me. I'm excited to be on the business side. Like, I don't want to coach. I don't want to be in the locker room every day. I'm going to miss it being around the guys and snap, but I'm not going to yeah. miss as much as I think people think I will. You know what I'm saying? So for me, like being a coach or being an assistant coach and going that way, getting my license, it's, it's not for me. It's not for everybody, and it's not for you know for myself. So for me, the business side, the business side of football has, has always intrigued me. I'm always, you know, asking you know when I see one of my old ex teammates or old ex um, guys I played against, and they're now a sporting director, or maybe they get into ownership or whatever on the business side. I'm always intrigued to see, you know, just how their brain works, how they got into, how they got into it, and you know, just work my angle in that way. Yeah, I you had a really a really long career. Yeah. Um, in longevity, in the world's most competitive, most global sport, is not easy to achieve. What What did you learn over your the length of your career that maybe you didn't know when you were 2021 20, <laughs> about how to extend your playing career as long as you ended up doing it? I mean, I, I think uh, a lot of different things. Not just it's not one thing that you know that I did or I, I changed or um, uh, that I can go back to and say, okay, yeah, I did this and this worked for me, you know. But you know, one of the things, and it's not just because you know Adam is sitting here next to me and you know we're about to you know uh, get into this venture together, but mentally, you know, mm-hmm. for me, I think. Any coach you speak to uh, will, will, will speak about how I prepare for every game the right way. I, I you know, went into the, went into the game thinking that we're going to win. You know, the the right mentality to, to you know to play the game in the right way. You know, and I I, have, I owe a lot of credit to that to, to Bob and his staff. You know, when I was in Chicago, mm-hmm. because I was with some some great players. I don't have to name them. You know them all with Peter Novak's and the Josh Wolfs and Ante Rizovs and you know Stoichkovs. You know the that mentality of that team and those guys that I had on my on in that squad and with the coaches that staff that we had, it makes you grow up faster than you would like to. You know that mentality of of doing the right things, the little things that make you, you know, not just a good soccer player on the field but off the field. You know, doing the right things is 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 important. You know, and for me, when I got to that stage in 2010, I mean, yeah, 2010, where you know I was hitting a bit of a down spiral with, with Hanover. You know, I could have just said, okay, you know what? I'm going to just go maybe go back to MLS, get 60 grand, and just you know, kind of end my career. It didn't happen that way. You know, for me, I think that shows that my the mentality that I had to kind of not reinvent my career, but show people that that I can still play this game and still play at a high level. And four years later, I made another World Cup team and started every game. You know, so and a new position. Yeah. You know, so all those things, I think, you know. I harp on it, and like I said, you know that's why um, for me the matrix made sense is because they, it focuses on the brain, it focuses on um, uh, the mentality of the game more so um, than just it's something different more so than just you know having talent with your feet because 
the brain is you know it, it, it's it's an amazing it's an amazing muscle you know yeah I, I, that does seem to be cut where the cutting edge training is these days mm -hmm. right it seems like yeah. you know on the mental side beyond right. the, the actually the physical for sure I mean you you look at you know sometimes you you see you hear coaches and they say oh well you know I mean his 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 mentality sucks you know I mean. You hit out a lot in players. You know, you can have the best talent, but when it comes eight ninth minute and you need to do something or you need to, you know, make sure that, you know, they're not scoring a goal and you get, you know, your knees start wobbling and, you, you know, it's, you, you got to have, a, you know, a strong will, a strong mentality in, in those types of situations. Or when you're in, you know, if you're a striker, you haven't scored in eight games. This can help. You know, it's, it's changing your brain, changing the way you think. And I think, you know, um, that's one of the – one of the most important reasons why I'm working with Matrix. Cool. Um, in in preparing for this interview, it's been fun to look back at things I wrote about you in 2000 at the 2002 World Cup. Uh, you're just 20 years old. I actually saw some pictures of me and the, back then. I had a do rag still. I can't believe Bruce let me wear a do rag. <laughs> like, I, and in meetings and trainings, that was pretty cool. It, it's funny because actually in one of the stories I asked Bruce about that, like he, I was writing about sort of the interaction between Bruce and his players back mm -hmm. then in '02, and he thought it was cool that he said that had his fat. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> I do remember that. Yeah. Bruce is a character. Everybody knows that. Yeah. I mean, when you look back at the '02 World Cup and getting to the quarterfinals and playing a big role as a 20-year-old, what stands out to you the most from that experience? Oof. Um, man. I would say the, the, the thing that stands out, stands out the most... That's a good question. Um, I, would, I would just say how myself and Landon were, were able to make the jump from the U-17s to the, to the full team. You know, um, Landon was a step above me, you know, because, you know, he got a chance to go to Olympics and, you know, I didn't get it. I didn't get the go. I was on the the um, the uh, alternate list, you know, for, for Clive, mm -hmm. Clive's team with John Ellinger as assistant coach, but I didn't get it go. So he was a step. But to do that, you know, together as 19, 20 year olds was stands out the most, you know, because it it was at a time where, you know, soccer was not great just because of the 98 World Cup, you know, so no one really was really interested in the 02 World Cup. They thought we weren't going to do well, and you got these two knucklehead 20-year-olds, you know, playing, starting against Portugal, one of the favorites to win the World Cup, and we came out, and we ended up winning 3-2. So I just think the, that jump for myself and Landon to get to that level from, you know, being in 99 World Cup at, at 16-, 17-year-olds, and then three years later, playing in the, in the World Cup, starting in the first game against Portugal, was pretty pretty remarkable. I will never forget being in the stadium that night yeah. and, and just seeing the way that the U.S. went up three nothing in the first half. You had the World Player of the Year at the time, Luis Figo, Figo. Uh, playing for Portugal. A lot of people were saying they were a favorite, a ch had a chance to win the whole tournament. Of course, yeah. Um, and to see the way you took on. I don't know how many fouls you drew in that yeah, game. No. <laughs> it, was, like, it was a lot. I was yeah. like, oh, and, man. Yeah, yeah. Hey, but I got back up. They used to call, you know, hey, you used, they used to call me Gumby. That was, my, that was one of my nicknames. You know, I had Jitterbug, but Gumby was yeah. literally one of my – because, you know, knock on wood, I've only had one bad knee surgery in my whole career. You know, I've never – I've had, you know, muscle injuries here right. and there. But as far as, like, a bad injury, there's only been one. So, I mean, they used to call me Gumby because I'd get kicked, <laughs> and I, but I'd get right back up, and I'd be, you know, I'd be running again. So, that was me. Um. 
Another thing I got to ask about because this story came out last week in the oh, Athletic. I, I knew it was coming. No, out. you were it, you were it. the only guy about that came out looking good decent. for natural yeah, photos. Yeah, no, you came yeah. out looking pretty good. Yeah, like, it was all right. If the hope from a photo shoot, I should explain this story that my friend Pablo Maurer did in, in uh, the Athletic. It was about this sort of infamous photo shoot that the O2 World Cup team did for the New York Times Magazine, where it was like a fashion shoot basically, and some of the photos didn't turn out maybe the way guys were yeah. <laughs> I don't know I don't know when they would literally when they when I look at those photos and I say what were you thinking when you when they asked you to pose like that did you really think that, <laughs> that was going to be that was going to come out well for you and in, in your career maybe looking over 20 years from now or even when it happened was that really what you wanted to, the, 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 the people to see you look I, and in, in the clothes oh my goodness crazy that was even but the one thing about mine, when I was actually doing, you know, I had my, my, my uh, the, not the one I was um, shirtless, right. the other one, when I was on the, when I was on the ground, on the, yeah. on the pitch, I had on pink pants. <laughs> but those, I don't think they were, no, they, didn't, the, they didn't make the, the they didn't make the cut, yeah, they cropped it out, they cropped it out, <laughs> but I, they put me in pink pants, and I remember, when I, when I went to the wardrobe, and they said, hey, uh, you got to wear these, I was like, you're not, you're not serious, but then, they, but then they said, but we're gonna, we're not gonna actually put it in the, in a picture, and I was like, all right, then I'll wear them. So that, they actually did crop it out, but I had on pink pants. Pink <laughs> pants. And I was what? I was, yeah, I was 19 years old wearing pink pants. And, you know, back then, the style, clothes, you know, the clothing style was a lot different. You know, oh, yeah. pink pants might be okay, you know, now in 2019. But in, two, in year 2001, 2002? Not doing it so much. No, no, not so much. Well, so much. Uh, I would like to congratulate you for being one of the few to come out of that. Yeah, I was okay. okay. Yeah. Um, other things that kind of pop up to me, you joined a PSV team coached by Gus Hiddink, uh, made the Champions League semis in 05, won trophies uh, in Holland. I actually worked with Gus Hiddink yeah. uh, doing World Cup uh, I actually read for which, Fox. Yeah, I did, yeah. yeah. Uh, and enjoyed it, actually. He has more of a sense of humor than maybe I he thought does. he did. Yeah, he does. Um, what did you learn you know, from Gus and just playing for him? I, for me, it was his... For one, professionalism, and the fact that, yeah, of course we had we had very good players. We were a good team, but as far as being a smaller team in the European scale, uh, playing against these big budget teams, you know, with you know, we played against was Arsenal's and you know um, teams of that nature. Um, the way that we were able to, you know, him to set up and tactically wise and able to compete and actually be even better. Than, than those teams that we were playing against was was remarkable, um, you know. And that's when back then when we were when it was the AC Milan, the AC Milan, AC Milan. Oh yeah. They had Pirlo, Stepchenko, Vera, Baldini. Uh, um, um, I can go on and on so about names. Guys. Yeah, so many guys. Cafu was right back. I can go on the whole the whole the whole uh, Kaká when he was you know the world player of the year. Yeah. That's who Seedorf. You know that's who we were playing against. You know, and we were able to. Not just you know compete, but able to you know beat them a couple times, and for him to to, to be able to get everything he could out of that group of players, we're good. But to get that and to have us have no fear, we're going into those type of European matches, and in the San Siro, and in um, uh, the the old I can't remember the old Arsenal stadium name, whatever. Oh, Highbury. Yeah, Highbury. Yeah, Highbury, and to you know get good results was pretty pretty crazy. Yeah, especially and like the, you said, he's actually he's actually has a, he has a good sense of humor. He he likes to, he, he tells jokes. You know, a lot of it was I wasn't Dutch. Expecting. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, a lot of it's in Dutch, but yeah, he, he he has a good sense of humor. He laughs and jokes, and you know he loves football. You know, yeah. like some of the practices, 
you know, I remember, I still remember. They were they were light, you know. That wasn't you know very. It wasn't very much tackling, you know. It was more just it was ball possession and just playing and positional wise. So I'm saying like tactically and positional wise, he was he was he was a master. Going from Bob Bradley, and I guess he probably had Dave Sarek and briefly yeah, yeah. in Chicago to Gus Hiddink. Was that a shock to your system, or was there su- maybe surprisingly more in common between with those guys than? Now, now that I look now that I look back at it, it's, it was more of a, you know a, a comfort zone because really? only because they not sound not they're both different obviously, um, but they coach somewhat a different way because they're so detailed. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, Bob's one of the most detailed coaches in American soccer, and I don't know everyone, but yeah, mostly in American soccer. So. To have to go from Bob and then um, to go into my first European team and to go to hitting with that team, uh, I think you know now. Like I said, now that you bring it up and I, I think back at it, I think it was a comfort. I think that would maybe help me play what look well, my, especially my first year and a half that I was at PSV as I did because I had that kind of comfort zone with the way that uh, both both men coached. Mm-hmm. Um. There are a lot of thoughts out there about the problems that the U.S. men's national team <laughs> has gone through in recent years, uh, including missing the World Cup. What do you see happening out there, and what would you like to see change? Man, that's a very that's a broad <laughs> question. <laughs> um, I mean, look, I, what what I see, and you know, I, I just I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic, you know, because. Um, do we have talent? Yes, of course. We we have got the talent in this country, you know, from from youth levels to, you know, to to the older pros. Um, um, but I think you know, for me, I think everyone is, everyone thinks they have they have the answer. You know, everyone says, okay, we gotta do this, we gotta do that, we gotta do this, we gotta do this, we gotta do that. But no one wants to no one wants to listen to you know to anyone else. They just think they know what they're doing and, and that's it. Um, I th- I think. Soccer in this country will will one will one day be one of the best um, soccer nations in the world. I do believe that, and I think I hope and I believe it will be in in, in my lifetime. You know, I'm not saying I, I won't go <clears throat> I won't go as far as saying I mean yeah we're gonna win a World Cup. You know, I'm not saying that, but as far as competing and and um, doing things a different way, I think that we will. You know, in time, you know, we'll we'll do that, and we'll we'll change. You know how we how we think, how we move, and you know. And for me, it's the mentality has to change. And I said it in interviews when I was in Houston. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I said, and I and I, like I said, you can you can look this up. I remember one time when our one of our uh, this is not to to harp on you know um, the the academy in, in in the Dynamo in Houston, but I remember you know. Um, we were training, and they came. I think you know. I think there was a U14 or U15 team, and they came. They sat, you know, on the sideline. You know, watched watched the first team, watched us train. And I, I'm not even kidding. I, I know I can't cuss, but I'm about to say bullshit. Yeah, we're <laughs> but, good. Uh, but no, I'm gonna say like, literally, 10 to 11 kids were on the phone. Huh. That's not good. I, that's what. But that's what I'm saying. I'm not just saying that's, that's everywhere and that's every kid. But but that's the mentality of the American player. That's the mentality. They're not wanting to, oh, man, that's, you know, Boniat Garcia. That's, uh, you know, uh, DeMarcus Beasley or Joe Will or even, like, Memo Rodriguez. He was, he, was, he was me when I was 14, and now look where he's at. 
they were like this on the phone, sitting on the phone, ah. playing, doing whatever they were doing, texting, uh-huh. I, I, Instagramming or whatever you want to call that stuff. So it was, it boggled my mind to see that, yeah. you know, it was it was crazy. And I actually you know talked to the directors about that, but um, it boggled my mind to see that, you know. So I think the mentality of, of the young player needs to be tougher, stronger, uh, and that and that comes from the environment that we put them in, you know, and that's from U.S. soccer. From um, uh, in the in the club situation, you know, they all people always say, oh, you know, uh, we need to play our young player. We need to play our young player." But are they are they really ready to play? Some of them are, hundred percent. Do do I think if Weston McKinney came back to MLS, would he be starting? Hundred percent. Yeah. You know, that's not like you you you. Uh, if he was here, like some coach would hold him back. He's a phenomenal player. You know. Um, but other kids, you know, yeah, we need our youth is the answer, hundred percent. But we need to do better with our youth. Is I mean, one thing I see when I look at like youth sports, soccer included, but all youth sports is it's like a twelve billion dollar industry at this point, mm-hmm. and there's this, there is a push towards specialization and pay to play and a lot of stuff. Is is the answer at the high end? more professionalization earlier or is that part of it or not part of it like from your perspective I think it's part of it but I think the other part is just just letting kids play yeah just let them play literally go out and that's I mean that's why a lot of times you know we're doing these those those mini pitches but just let kids play you don't at those that you don't need structure you don't you don't need to be you know say oh you know you gotta when you're 10 you gotta play a full four two just let the kids go out and enjoy the game, love the game, play it, have fun, and and do that. But once you get into the, you know, and once you see, okay, you know, this kid's talented, he's did. Then that's when you say, okay, we're gonna put you in an environment where you can succeed, and you can do things to, you know, help your career. Help you if you want to be a professional athlete or a professional soccer player or playing a World Cup one day. These are the things that will help you get to that level. You know, and it's not just okay. Um, we see a kid that's. You know he's 10, 12 years old. He's talented. Give me a thousand dollars from you know from your parents, and then you can play for my club team. What? Are you really, are you serious? That <laughs> boggles. That's crazy. You know, I, it wasn't like that obviously when I was playing because I'm an old guy, and you know, um, it uh, soccer wasn't like that. You know, back in the day, you know, you couldn't ask for you know uh, numbers like that at that you know at that time in in, ni- in the nineties. You know, right. it wasn't it wasn't happening. So. To hear that kind of stuff is, uh, is, is, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Are MLS clubs in U.S. soccer, in your opinion, doing enough to promote access to soccer in the African American community? Are they doing enough? Yeah. I mean, I can't. I, I mean, obviously, I can't speak on every club, you know, because I don't. I don't know. Um, I think you know, um, just speaking with with Houston, I think they know that. They haven't done well in the community, and one of them is the African American community. Um, and yeah, I mean, even just from a. a <laughs> By the way, here we're we're in an informal <laughs> setting here, and the LSU uh, Oklahoma game is going on right now. <laughs> but um, but yeah, they uh, now lost for that. Oh, um, but as a whole, you know, obviously you get the question of why why aren't more African Americans playing, you know, soccer, and 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 the common answer you get is that they can't afford it. Some most families can't afford it. So are we really going in, into those and in, into those communities and trying to you know find those players and you know 
with with talent, you know, letting them play, letting them play for free, let them enjoy the game, let them pick up things how they how they can do it. But you know, monitoring them as well, you know, because I mean, if they're talented, they can play. They should be, you know, playing. They should be in an academy, in a in, in a Houston academy, in a Seattle academy, or wherever, and you know, trying to because the ultimate goal is to one day win a World Cup. Every team in the MLS. That's the obviously Ameri- you know that's you know with the the American system because um, we all we all talk about the youth the the, the youth in American soccer um, and I understand obviously some coaches are you know foreign this and that but for us Americans you know you know one day if we win a World Cup it'll be like we did it together you see when when Brazil wins the World Cup when Germany the whole country wins it's not just a German national team right the whole, the moms, the dad, the the bakers, the 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 butchers, the, the the everyone, everyone, the youth coaches, the everybody wins, everyone, you know, and it's gonna bring so much joy to you know to 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 America, to to the country, to the players, to you know to the random guy walking down the street, you know, and I think uh, we need to do a better job of that as far as going into those communities and saying, hey, you know, we want we want you to enjoy love the game like we do. And I don't think we have, an, and I don't know if that's resources that we don't have enough people to do in that, but we need to find it, you know? Um, we're winding down here with DeMarcus Beasley. It's really good to connect again. Uh, you and Landon Donovan have always been connected, uh, maybe because you started out together on the under-17 U.S. team and broke through at the O2 World Cup together. How often do you guys still communicate? Uh, we not not often, not often, but we communicate. I spoke to him probably what, a month ago, maybe. Yeah. Um, so it's good to catch up with him, uh, but yeah, we we keep in contact, you know. And obviously, we're in a in a group chat with my U seventeen national team with the oh, yeah? ninety nine. So yeah, we always you know we chime in, you know, ask you know and talk about you know kids and life and not just soccer stuff, but just regular regular nonsense. But yeah, no, we we, we keep in touch. You know, he's still you know he's still a good friend of mine. I, we both feel we can just pick up the phone and say, hey, you know, what's going on? What's ha- what's happening? How's things? How's life? How's San Diego? How's Houston? And then you know we we go from there. So yeah, we're we're still we're still pretty good friends. Which of the guys maybe outside of Houston have you kept in more regular contact with? Um, as ex players or just ex players? Yeah, former teammates. Former teammates. The the most I probably say is Gooch. Yeah. Yeah, Gooch. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we speak we speak pretty regularly. Uh huh. Um, and obviously the guys are still. I mean, well, Josie, I speak to him a lot. Mo, I still speak to uh-huh. those guys. But the one I probably speak to the most that's, that's an ex-player that's not playing is uh, is Gooch. Okay, yeah. nice. Um, you've had some good coaches over the years. We mentioned Gus Hiddink, Walter Smith, Bob Bradley, Bruce Arena, Jurgen Klinsmann, Stuart Pierce, Juan Carlos Osorio, Manuel La Puente. Oh, La Puente was yeah, he was good. Others, yeah. You uh, <laughs> played a long time. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any particular things that you learned from any of those particular managers that really stick with you today? Um, one, and I mean, I, I, you pick up you pick up things from every coach, you know. Yeah. But still, one conversation that always sticks in my mind. Well, actually, two, and uh, one was from from Jurgen, mm-hmm. and uh, I remember when he kind of started, you know, calling me back into the national team, and uh, he just asked me, you know, just a random day, he's like, "B, why did you play in Germany?" And I was like. I was like, it was a weird question, you know. Weird. I was in Mexico. That you know, that part of my life was over, you know. Because I only played, I only made four appearances, you know. So it was was a not a great uh, a great time, you know. Anyway, 
uh, he said, so yeah, Beast, why did you uh, why didn't you play um, in Germany? And I was like, you know, I don't know, <laughs> I don't I don't I don't know, I, I don't really have an answer. He's like, no, seriously, like give me a reason. Why don't Why don't you think you played in Germany? And I said, well, I don't know. I I, mean, I think maybe I don't know if the coach maybe he didn't fancy me. You know, I felt that he brought me in for a reason, but then he didn't play me, or you know, I I don't know. I didn't I couldn't pick one. Ex- excuse you know to say why i didn't actually play and he's and he told me he's like and this is actually i mean i know this is is true now from but he's actually the first one that's ever told me it and he said um he goes bees any coach in any level is going to play his best team to win that to win that game it could be it could be a change of players it could you know injuries happen this and that but every single coach wants to win that's his job so if he felt that you weren't part of that there was something you weren't doing there was something that you weren't doing as a soccer player or off the field whatever that he didn't like and it, my, his point was that he could he, he, I couldn't just say oh he didn't like me he he wouldn't care if, if we didn't get along but I was scoring goals and scoring a hat trick every game what is he going to do he's going to play me yeah so it was something that I wasn't doing and that, and that stuck with me and that and that kind of little bit you know changed my mentality of when I came when I went to Mexico and how I you know how I kind of reinvented you know yeah. myself and that always stuck with me huh. and I and I tell players you know to this day when they come up to when you know younger players when they say oh you know I'm not getting a chance and sometimes they're young I understand but um, and sometimes situations you know change you know not you know you might be you you might uh, not play for this team but then. You know, you go to the next the next club and you score or you play well, or you do well. The coach loves you, this and that. So situations are always different, but that always stuck with me. You know, so for me, I always put it upon myself. You know, since that day, that day, and I think it was 2011, maybe mm-hmm. he told me that. Um, I always put it to my to myself to to say, okay, I'm going to play. I'm going to do whatever I can for this coach. And after, and since then, I pretty much played every game of. From that end, I played every game of my career. From from Mexico, being in Mexico to Houston, I played. Even at 36, 35, towards the end of my career, I was still starting. I was still the starting left back in those in those teams. Yeah. You know, so that stuck with me, and I, and I still have that. Huh. Um, that. I still had a conversation in my head with Jurgen. You said there's a second one. Yeah, that's what what. Uh, <laughs> well, it's kind of well, not really funny, but it's with Bob. Yeah. And um, you know, back when you you know you you were covering me back in like you know 2000s, all I did was dribble. <laughs> all day was dribble you know I, I hated the pass you know all that kind of stuff but uh you know and and this his comment helped me be a two-way player huh you know he says is that the training session and uh he goes beast come here well no he called me demarcus he didn't call me he didn't call me beast very often he called me demarcus <laughs> demarcus come here and he goes uh is it you know you, you you can't it's very simple he said you can't dribble out of every situation you get in and I said, oh, <laughs> I, you know, I'm thinking that I could, you know, because I, I never wanted to, I just always wanted, I just think because I was quick, I was fast and yeah. you know, I had somewhat skill that I could, I could dribble out of my, out of my situations and when I got in, but that simple comment changed how I played, huh. you know, and that's when, you know, even when I went to PSV, like they were, they would put me, I, I you know, obviously I played as a, as a winger, you know, and tried to score goals, but they were, I played in the middle a lot. I played as the, the number eight. I played a number, hmm. as a number 10, you know, higher up the field. Because yeah. they knew I was going to do the work. You know, I was, I, I was a good passer. I was going to do the work. And he said, 
if you become a two-way player, you'll be one of the best players in this country. And it stuck with me. So those little comments that I still, you know, I still hear those voices in my head from Bob and, and Jurgen in my head. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I still say this and think this, that if there was as much media attention on American soccer today as there was in the early 2000s and on Champions League, where you can watch every single, single Champions game, yeah. League game, there would be even more respect for what you achieved in, in Champions League in particular. Because I don't think there's many Americans who've like played the number of games. I don't know, maybe, maybe Pulisic's catching I think, up. I think he's, he's there now, yeah. But, like, there aren't any other ones besides you two that have played that many Champions League games. Yeah. Does that bug you that you, your it timing doesn't. was a little off? It, it really it really doesn't. You know, yeah. it, it really doesn't. Um, it, people, yeah, I mean, people say that, but it doesn't bug me. You know, that's not really how how I am and you know I'm, I'm not gonna you know sit here and say oh man I wish if like you said the media was bigger then I would have you know this or put respect to my name and all that nonsense I don't really I don't really you know I, I, I play for different reasons not saying that if anyone says that it's wrong but for me personally you know myself um, yeah it doesn't bother me at all I do consider it though a bit of my duty in the media as a storyteller to because there's so many new American fans of soccer in the last decade who weren't watching in 2002 when you guys made the World Cup yeah. quarterfinals. Yeah. And it's almost as if you need to instruct them, like, this happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, even, I mean, to be honest, even, even the young kids that came, you know, some of the rookies uh, in Houston, they had no idea that I used to play in Champions League. <laughs> Zero clue. And they're my, and I did know they're soccer players. They're my team. Yeah. They made it to a professional level, so you would think they know about. And they're American. They're, Maybe I'm not doing my job. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have a clue. But I'm saying, like, literally, like, it'll be like, bees. You, you play? And I'm like, yeah. You know, I, I play a little bit. You know, and there, and then, then they, then they start asking questions, and they're like, man, you actually did all right. I'm like, well, that's what I used to do. You know, but I mean, no, they had, no, they had no idea. Like, I used to actually. You know, do the things that some of the other players are doing now. So, it's pretty incredible. Uh, I guess I feel like I need to ask this question, but I think I know the answer. Any chance you're coming out of retirement? Heck no. <laughs> no, there's no chance I'm coming. There's, no, there's not going to be a story. Trust me, we're not going to be sitting here in like six months saying, "Hey, bees, I told you so." No, nah, no, nah. no. Nah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Like, uh, I'm, I'm really excited uh, about the future um, on different sides. I mean, on, on a different side of the game. You know, obviously with, with Matrix and, you know, uh, the business side of football with maybe somewhat trying to get into ownership at, at some point, you know, um, in, in the game and, and doing, staying in the game that way, you know. So we'll see. Before we sign off, you had mentioned something to me before we started recording that you are interested, actually really interested in cooking. Oh, <laughs> I am. I am. Most very interested. And so tell me that's in. not a like, joke. Like culinary school type. Culinary material. school, like literally culinary school. I'm I'm looking at schools. You can look at. I don't bring my iPad. You can look at my iPad. I have like three tabs of schools that I'm looking at to go to culinary school. Where did this come from? Uh, I mean, it came from me being on my own for my basically my whole career almost. You know, you had to you had to you had to eat. You know, and once seriously, and once I changed my diet, you know, like you know, I tell you, I tell you really quick before I get into culinary stuff. When we, you know, in Chicago back in the day, we didn't have nutritionists, we didn't have none of that kind of stuff. We didn't have all the science that you have now. I was eating Subway for my pregame meal. 
I probably shouldn't say Subway that. is no longer a sponsor of the podcast or will have the potential of ever sponsoring my podcast. Say, so thank you, DeMarcus. Should, yeah. I probably we're shouldn't good, say We're that. good. I don't think they're a possibility. Yeah. So I ate Subway they, like, on like pregame meal. Like when I was in Chicago Fire playing with Stoichi and all that, I was eating Subway the day before a game. I mean, the day of the game. It was right by my house. I was, you know, I was 17, 18 years old. And we had to come to the game ourselves. We didn't have, you know, yeah. nutrition. We didn't have, like, we didn't have, there wasn't chefs. There wasn't facilities, you know, sure. you know all that stuff. There wasn't none of that. You know what I'm saying? So, when I, when I my point is, when I changed my <laughs> when I changed my diet, when I started eating, you know, eating better, I, I you know, I, I got to a point where I'm like, I, I, can, I can do this. Like, I can cook the food that, you know, that I'm eating. You know, that was, yeah. it was good food, you know, pastas and, you know, proteins and carbo and all that stuff. I said, I can do this, you know? So, I, you know, little by little, I just started cooking. I got cookbooks, you know? And then after a while, literally, I just, like, started, you know, cooking basically almost every day. And and now, like, I, I love it. Like, you can ask any of my teammates that really, you know, they know me, you know, from day in and day out. Like, I always talk about it. I always talk about, I always talk about cooking. Um, I get Christmas presents. Like, I get the chefs, um, you know, the jacket. Yeah. I, get, I get aprons. I get cookbooks. Nice. You know, I get um, you know different kind of, you know, um, uh, you know pans and stuff like that for 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 making different things. So no, no, I'm 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 dead serious. And I and I thought I remember we made a joke, and they always say never trust never trust a skinny cook, but <laughs> <laughs> but trust me, I'm gonna try to try to change that uh, that narrative. But yeah, I'm really interested. So that's in my near future as well. Nice. So not just a businessman. I'm gonna be a yeah. I'm gonna be a chef maybe one day. We'll see. Well, I have really enjoyed interviewing you a bunch of times over the last 20 years. I hope we continue doing it for the next 20 and 20 after that. And we're two old men sitting here talking about soccer. Yeah, but, for sure. Uh, good luck with everything you're doing. Thank you. Thanks for joining. You as well. No problem. Thanks for having me. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Thanks for listening to the Planet Football Podcast. I'd like to thank DeMarcus Beasley as well as producer Harry Swartout and everyone at Sports Illustrated who supports this podcast. Remember, if you like the podcast, it would really help us if you go to Apple Podcasts and provide a rating and a review. And we'd appreciate you recommending the podcast to someone you know. See you next time.